You're listening to Fair Game with your host, Robert Smith. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Fair Game Podcast. I'm your host, Robert Smith. Today's guest joins us from Frederick, Maryland, where she's the general manager of the Great Frederick Fair. That's a tongue twister right there. Karen Nicholas, welcome to the show. Thank you. I'm glad I could get you on the show today. You're the GM at the Great Frederick Fair. What can you tell us about your fair? Um, we were supposed to celebrate our 158th year this year. Um, we are a county fair in Frederick, Maryland. We attract about 240,000 people in nine days in September. And it's awesome. It's great. That's why we put it in the name. The Great Frederick Fair. It is a little, do you ever, it seems like a little tongue twister as I've been, was reading the intro. It was like, it, do you get, do you trip on it when you say it sometimes? Not no? usually, but I've been saying it my whole life. So you've been, okay, we'll see. I'm like, this is, this is a little new for me saying great Frederick. Fa oh, get over it. I'll figure out how to say <laughs> we it. Abbreviated our, we abbreviated our website to gffair.com. And like, I thought it would be easier, but that actually twists me up more than saying the whole thing out. Oh, yeah. See, you switch stuff like that once you get used to saying it and it messes with you. Now, for those um, listeners, because we got about nine listeners on this show, and for those who don't know you, can you give us a little background? <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm humble bragging about my nine listeners. <laughs> we'll make it 10 this week. All right, um, <laughs> 10 this week. Give us a little background on how you came to be the GM at the GFF. Okay. GFF. Okay, so I um, grew up in Frederick, Maryland. And I attended the fair my entire life. And I was a 4-H'er and an FFA member. And I interned with an agricultural communications firm in 2012, my senior year of college. And through that, I worked um, at the fair and we had our 150th celebration then. And um, it kind of led to making the connections in the fair internally and then a full-time job in 2013. And I was the social media and public relations coordinator. And then I left for a brief time. And then I came back as the programs manager. And then I was promoted to the general manager officially last year. So you've kind of done it all there at, at Frederick. Yes. Now, you, you, you mentioned you were a 4-H'er and in the FFA. Do you still have your blue jacket? I do. You never get rid of those. Uh, and I, I don't know if you, you noticed, I had Aaron Alejandro on the show. Do you know who he is? Yeah, I, I have watched. I, I've been one of your listeners a couple of times. <laughs> so you're one of my nine. <laughs> yeah, so Aaron Alejandro, he's the head of the Texas FFA Foundation. And he and I have had a lot of great conversations over the years. And I unequivocally can tell you that whenever I am doing my Conjure Fortune Machine Act, and I see a group of kids walking down towards me and they've got those blue jackets on. I know it's going to be a good time because they are some of the most respectful and fun people to have come up to me anywhere at a fair. It's just That's part awesome. of the, the FFA. It's just, I think there's a, a different um, level of respect that gets taught with those kids. And I know I appreciate, even though I'm not a farmer myself or, or rancher, I appreciate everything the FFA does. How long has it been since you were involved with them? Um, well, so I graduated high school in 2009. So oh my god, that was when I was in FFA. But you're a kid. You're yeah. a kid. Still. But I actually, this is I just got reelected to serve as the chairperson of the FFA 
um, Board of Directors Association in Maryland. So I'm still oh, involved cool. in FFA that way. Yeah, it's a fantastic organization. Um, did you now, did you always want to work with fairs or having grown up in the FFA and 4-H or did that sort of just come along along the way? So I, I've always loved agriculture. So I grew up on a dairy farm in Thermont, which is like 20 minutes from the fairgrounds. And my dad is a third, fourth generation farmer, third generation farmer. Um, so we milk about 200 dairy cows and just growing up and watching him work on the farm. And uh, I did have the opportunity to milk for a couple of years on weekends with him, which was an awesome experience. Um, I just being around other people, I went to University of Maryland for a little bit of college and I, I came home for a butchering and I came home for the fair and for other things. And the people in my dorm room were like, or the dorm building would ask me like why I was doing that. Like they, they just, they didn't know anything about agriculture. And so for, I, and I actually served on the fair's um, agricultural education committee since 2007, I think. Um, so I just, or since 2008. So I've been involved in it. And I just, I always wanted to teach people about agriculture and the importance of it. And that is literally our fair's mission statement. So when I had the opportunity to intern here, I certainly saw that that was a career opportunity that I would like to, you know, take advantage of. And then um, luckily had the opportunity and here I am. Right. You know, you, you mentioned making sure that you're, you're furthering the um, education of farming and ranching in our communities and with our young people. I know that that's our fair, almost every fair, that's our, our mission ultimately. And as entertainers, you know, we are, a um, we're an add on, we're a little added value to the fair, but the ultimate mission is, is agricultural education. And I didn't realize just how much our communities responded to that until I started seeing cancellations and as fairs canceled and I'm watching their announcements on Facebook, I didn't see people that were like, oh man, I really wanted to see the Conjurer Fortune machine this year. I didn't see people going, oh, but what about the sea lion show or the pig races? But 90% of them were like, what about the kids and their livestock? What are we doing for 4-H? What about FFA? What, you know, yeah. that mattered to hugely to our communities. And luckily, I think there were a lot of fairs that were able to adjust and get those events done. Um, now, you're a fairly young fair manager. And, you know, now that I'm an old guy, I'm not allowed to be in, in YPI anymore. Um, I'm too old. Even though I still feel young at heart, I guess I'm officially old. You're not yet. You're not even 30 yet. I will be in April. You're man. Tell you what. <laughs> Anyhow, for being the young fair manager, aside from COVID, which we'll touch on plenty here in a moment, what's one of the challenges you faced when you became the GM of the fair? Um, I, I would say, well, honestly, I was promoted officially to the general manager um, at the end of last year, right before COVID happened. So my first year <laughs> was a bust um, officially as the general manager. I would say that was the challenge was becoming that having that title. Um, although my res I will say that my responsibilities prior to my title change um, were pretty much the same. So I would say one of the challenges is um, I, I I guess trying to think of new like the new stuff, new and creative things, um, and ch making changes. Uh, we have a really supportive board of directors. I work really well with them, and they are all open to changes. And we've made a lot of changes since 2015 when I came back. 
um, to the fair, we've got a new ticketing system. We upgraded our entry system. Um, we're working on a, we actually, because of COVID, there was a grant available to upgrade our fiber networking on the fairgrounds, which we wouldn't have had the opportunity to That's do good. so. Um, so I, th I think the challenge is probably just thinking outside the box and becoming more creative and like we're gridlocked in space, but you don't have to be gridlocked in what you're putting into the space. And that's just, I guess that's where I'm trying to grow and work on is to, to bring new things to the fair and um, attract more people because it is a traditional fair. And like, there's a lot of people, like you said, the, when we announced the fair was canceling, the biggest concern was the youth livestock show. Luckily our board and our staff committed to continuing um, the youth livestock show regardless. And so we were able to provide that opportunity for our youth. Um, but I, I don't know, I just, I, I wanna bring new things and attract new people and, and make it other people's family traditions. Like my family's been involved in the fair. My, my grandfather and my uncle actually served on the fair board. Um, my grandfather served 42 years on our fair board of directors. So wow. it's been a family thing for a, for a long time of mine, but I want it to be other people's, like those people who haven't been to our fair to get them attracted to come out. And that the agriculture might not be the, the draw for those people, right. the conjurers and the other side things where we were supposed to have tinsel or team T and J. Now I, get, I keep saying tinsel <laughs> They're only tinsel and, jingle, and jingle when it's Christmas time. I know, but we were supposed to have them this year. And of course that got canceled. We were establishing right. a new um, kid zone area that we were excited about. So I guess that's the biggest challenge for me. I, I love everything about this job. Um, so I don't so know. If I, I were to ask you, if you weren't working in this industry, what do you think you'd be doing? What kind of answer would you have? Oh my. Um, I honestly don't, I honestly don't know what I would say. Yeah, I, I can't imagine myself anywhere else, but here. And I hope I never have to be anywhere else, but here. Yeah. I feel the same way. Cause during this process of essentially being unemployed while we're sitting, waiting for right. entertainment venues to be able to open again and have events again. Um, you know, there's been a lot of time sitting talking with Sarah of, do we keep doing this? Is this a point where I need to make a career change? And I've thought, plenty of hours about it. And I don't think I'd be able to breathe working for someone else. Uh, not that that's a bad thing. Everybody's got their place and what makes them happy. Mm -hmm. I, my passion is entertaining. My passion is that moment where someone comes up to me at a fair like yours and presses the button and they get, they laugh for a minute and they yeah. get a fortune card and they go, and there's a memory made. And that's what I live for. And I, you know, I don't think I could breathe doing anything else. Entertaining yeah. is, is my thing. I know when we had the, um, I'm going to cry. When we had the youth livestock show, people were coming up to us and just like thanking us because they were so scared that the, the whole thing would be canceled. And like, you know, people had to wear masks and it was different, but the, the, the impact on the fair on people in the community is what I live for. Like, it's so amazing. So many people are, that's what made it even harder when we had to cancel was like all these people rely on us to do what we do. The the vendors and the sponsors and our partners and the exhibitors and the kids and it's in the whole community. It's just like, it's a time that everybody gets together and sees each other and gets to showcase what they've done for the year. And so that was, yeah, that was bad when we had to cancel, but I'm with you. I don't, I can't imagine doing anything else. I don't know what I would do. I guess I'd have right. to figure it out if it came to it. Well, and, and let me just back up for a second. If you need to cry in the show, you're absolutely welcome to. <laughs> even I, 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 I will fully disclose, even though this has not aired yet, when I did my episode with John Sykes, there was a, a second where he said something to me and I, I 
they're starting really getting choked up and he's like i'm just gonna keep talking and give you a minute to compose yourself yeah. and i was just like you're hitting me in the feels john come yeah, on now. It is all the feels with the fair it, it really is and you know i think we we all in the industry maybe took it for granted i think a lot of us took a lot of things for granted and now that we see what life is like without some of these events, we realize just how important and how big a financial impact, not only financially, but emotionally. And um, I think for our, our mental well-being, and it's not just the fair itself. I mean, the ability to go to the movie theater, the ability to go to the gym, the ability to go out with your group of friends on a Friday night after a long week and have a drink at the at a local brewery, all those things that have now been taken away from us and given back to us in little bits and then no, they're taken away and then a little bit and then they're taken away again. These are all things that help our mental health as human beings, you know, for sure as Americans. And I'm just, I'm so pleased um, to see, and I'll ask, I was going to ask you about this in a minute, um, but I'm really just pleased to see some of the fairs down in Florida starting to get a little bit of a run up and, and see if they can't get going. Before we get back to that, let's take a trip back to the ugly time of 2020. Dun, dun, dun. Um, dun, dun, dun. You know, it's March, March 2020. We're seeing this virus come on shore. Um, of course, it gets politicized almost instantly. Um, it's starting to work its way around the country and Houston cancels. And I, I think for a lot of us, we were looking at this thinking, ah, this will just be a little, you know, a month or a couple months and we'll get it under control. And then Houston cancels, which immediately costs the city of Houston, I don't know, three, $400 million in economic activity. And it was like, Houston. Have a problem. Yeah, no, if Houston, I wasn't going to go there, but okay. Houston, you have a problem. <laughs> well done, Karen. Um, I was just saying, <laughs> if Houston of all shows, if Houston can cancel, then none of us are safe. And that's when, for me, it was like, Oh buddy, we're in trouble. What are you thinking at that point when you find out Houston cancels? um Houston we have a problem yeah. uh, I guess I like that was shocking and then when you hear about the process of their cancellation and how it seemed like un, and I don't I guess I don't know all the details it sounded like their cooperation with their county or city was not yeah I the think greatest the for them. I think the mayor if I remember I could yeah. be wrong if I'm wrong I apologize but I, yes I think you're right yeah I so I don't want to speak to that but I I feel like you hear these horror stories of like you get approval and your full force opening and then bam. And so I guess since that cancellation, we were, we were really trying to just procrastinate our decision as long as possible. Um, we had furloughed our staff. I have five in the office, including myself. Typically we furloughed um, the other four back in April. Mm. Um, when, when Maryland, the governor came out and said, you know, we're going to shut down for 14 days to stop the spread. So we thought, okay, well, we'll just, you know, temporarily close our offices and we'll see what happens thinking it's going to be no more than two weeks to a month. Yeah, and then here we are later. Yeah. 8 million thousand <laughs> minutes later that we're still in the same boat. And honestly, um, in my opinion, as of today, I would say we're worse off now than we were back in April, um, as far as events, you know, whether we're going to be able to open or not. So we, I, it was scary when all these other fairs started canceling. Um, we kind of created a little network among our Maryland fairs. And I was having meetings with other managers of fairs around me trying to figure out like, you know, what are you going to do? Like, should we call it now? Like, how long are you going to wait? When's your drop dead? Like, maybe we should all announce together. So it's not as like, 
so people don't get mad at only one of us and that would have been wonderful like 20 fairs all at once going see ya yeah like see ya uh but i i don't know i i think that that was the worst and then like i have i don't know if it, it it's in my like my bookshelf i got one of those big notebooks of covid contingency plans and so then i started like communicating with the health department, which I felt like she was part of my everyday life. And I didn't like, that. <laughs> didn't like right. that. She's a very nice woman, but I was asking, you know, what, it, what are your thoughts on how we could open safely and, you know, talking to the carnival and talking to the vendors and just kind of pulling people. And it just, it became like, everybody was, it was unknown. Everything was unknown that predicting the future was impossible could have called you, but I didn't. <laughs> yeah, we've made the joke several times on the show. Conjurer should have seen this coming. Yeah, it should have helped me out. Totally um, failed. So we kept, we just kept pushing it off. We were super lucky in a couple different things. We had not yet sent out our vendor contracts for people. We normally send out correspondence and start a lot of planning, hit the ground running really in January through March and a couple other underlying reasons we didn't, and it had nothing to do with COVID. Um, it was finalizing some other internal changes. And so um, that was a blessing, but we, yeah, then we just kind of kept pushing and waiting. And I ultimately, I didn't want to have the great Frederick fair unless it was the full fair because people expect it. Like we have a brand and a reputation and to me, it's a obligation to our community to, to fulfill and provide them what they expect to have. And Every time I was looking at contingency plans and those plans had their own alternative plans, I was just getting more and more upset. Like I, I can't picture people walking around with masks and then like taking it off and eating cotton candy and like putting it back on. And like, it was just heartbreaking to me. So, and ultimately we waited until July 8th to cancel our fair in September and we planned a youth show in two months. So I don't know. I think I went way around your question, but I, no, I, I think was, I think that's great. I was just watching you, fairs drop like flies and watching the IEFE updates and thinking, "Come on, God!" Like it, I was praying, like it's got to get better. Things will just turn around and it's going to be magically gone in July because the sun was going to kill the virus. And so, right. <laughs> none of that happened. So then my birth, like my bubble bursted. You know. <laughs> yeah. No, I feel you, and and I think for us, <clears throat> ours burst pretty quickly because March 11th, Houston canceled, and we were at. I think it was on the 14th we were going to put Conjure um, on a shipping in a shipping container to get it down to Sydney, Australia for the Sydney Royal Easter oh. show, which was two and a half weeks away. Mm-hmm. And um, we were actually, honestly, because it was starting to burst, you know, there's a big cluster of it going around New South Wales and around the Sydney area. And Sarah and I were starting to talk about how long do we wait before we're the ones that pull the plug on this? Because my concern wasn't getting sick. My concern was getting on an airplane and then landing in Sydney, Australia and being told you can't enter the country and being told, but you also can't go back to your country and being left in this weird hiatus of like Tom Hanks in that movie where he's in terminal, where he's just in the airport. I guess I just live at the airport now. (laughs) It was like, what is going to happen? Luckily on the 13th, you know, two days later, we got the email from Linnell Smith down at, at the Sydney Royal Easter show that they pulled the plug and as disappointing as it was, it was somewhat of a relief to know, okay, that's off our plate. And then of course our fair fell down and our Arizona run in May collapsed. And then at that point we were kind of done until OC fair. And I'm like, well, you know, if we can get to like, you know, end of May, June, this will clear up and we'll be able to do OC fair. But and the the reality is somewhere there at the end of April, um, OC canceled. 
And I looked at it and went, I'm like, man, they still, they could have let this go another couple months. That's what I'm th- part of me is thinking. And then the other part of me is like, they are a big airplane. And it was ultimately, I think Jerry hammer from uh, Minnesota state fair who made that analogy of bigger airplanes need a lot more runway. And they're at, OC literally was at the point where they were going to have to commit all those advertising dollars and marketing, yeah. start all that, that, that um, expenditures. And they decided this is going to happen and we need to just save that money. I mean, were you guys in that position? Were you thinking about that when you made your cancellation early that, Hey, this helps you. Cause there's certain dates for all of us. I guess you, I, I've heard the, the phrase drop dead date referred to mm-hmm. multiple times by different guests where that's the point where you're either committing all the money and you're all in or you're not. Yeah. And we, you know, we had our entertainment lined up. We actually went on sale black Friday the year before um, for two of our concerts and one of our motorsports. And so those tickets were kind of outlying and um, you're just like, you're thinking of all the things like, okay, if we cancel, we have to refund all this money. And if we cancel, we lose all this sponsorship money. And if we cancel, but then you're like, if we have it, we have to have all like you, you can't reduce expenses for having a smaller fare or a hybrid model or, um, and ultimately we, we were sending out correspondence. We were keeping in touch with everybody, our superintendents and our, um, sponsors and partners and exhibitors and the life members and everybody. And we were letting them know, like, we're, we're trying to hold off as long as we can, cause we don't want to cancel. Right. Um, but we were kind of, you know, blaming the government with the mercy of their rules and restrictions. And, um, but yeah, I mean, we didn't, luckily we hadn't really advertised much except for when we first went on sale and announced we were kind of in a holding pattern I would say like researching and trying to do something and then um it just you know but it was so emotional like the it was so frustrating it's such a blur now when I look back at like those four or five like four months of like April May June yeah like those four months of figuring out like can we do it or can we not do it and like I I feel bad for my husband (laughs) I was a wreck um but yeah, I, it's, it's emotional. Like I, I didn't even want, like, I knew that was going to be the decision and I thought I was prepared for it. And I had talked to several other fair managers across the country that canceled and they were like, you just don't like, you're not going to be able to be prepared for it. And I was like, no, it's going to be like, I'm going to, I'm going to be ready. I'm going to be strong at my board voted. And I knew that that was the vote. That was my, even like my recommendation because of everything going on. And I was just like, uh, and I had to get off and like text and tell everybody on staff. And I had to like email a hundred thousand people. And you're just like praying and hoping that you don't forget to tell somebody important, you right. know, cause there's 8 million people that are involved in all the planning. And so, and you kind of like to get to them before the media gets to them. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. Emotional this whole year and, and the unknown, like the unknown and we're planners. So I don't like to call you like I like to problem solve. So if I call you and have a question, I hope that we can determine like the solution. And I just felt like this year didn't let us do that. Yeah, there weren't there weren't solutions to be had. And I feel like part of that was because every time we turned around, the standards for were changing. The goalposts were moving on what, you know, what could be done safely and not it, it, it's just I'm heartbroken for you all in the industry because I know how much work you guys put into it. And I'm heartbroken for so many entertainers who had to get that call, you know, know. a half dozen, a dozen, 22 dozen times. I, yeah. I think, I think by the end of the year, I think the, uh, you know, when we started getting the October, November cancellations, the phone would ring and it was like, you'd look and you'd, you'd see the fair, fair manager's name and you'd be like, yep, knew this call was coming. Yeah. 
And it just, you know, it got to the point, um, you know, when Jacksonville canceled us and it was back in September, I get the call from Bill Olson and he just said, listen, you know, we're looking at our, our modeling and we think we can open safely. We think we can, we can do it. The problem is even at our, I guess that their best modeling for attendance, they were going to lose, they were going to be so far down on attendance. They were going to lose hundreds of thousands of dollars. Yeah. And I think a lot of fair saw that and said, you know, better to um, hold and have an opportunity to have a 2021 fair yep. than push this and jeopardize the financial, you know, security of the organization. Where do you guys think you stand? I mean, are you, are you guys in position to be able to financially continue? I mean, are you going to make it? This may be too deep of a question for you to answer at this point because there's so many unknowns. What do you think? Um, no, we're going to make it. So we, we have, um, we've survived the wars before and um, a fire devastation. And uh, we survived the Spanish influenza pandemic back in 1918. And so we're, we're confident that we'll survive. Um, what was really incredible um, through it all, and I already knew this, but I guess you could say like, it, not that I took it for granted, but just it really comes out of the, like the truth really shows when we announced, um, I expected some negative comments. I, I mean, I figured there would be people who said, you know, screw it, just do it and have it. Or, right. you know, there were people, there were a couple comments, like you start, you called this way too early. And I'm thinking July the <laughs> for a September event, like, I feel like we waited as long as possible, but, yeah. um, but the community support that we had was unreal. Like I already knew we had it, but it was, people were defending us on our own Facebook page. Like you guys did what was safe for the community. And like, everyone was really understanding our sponsors. Um, most of our sponsors continued to support us this year. We were doing the youth livestock show, um, knowing that, you know, a lot of our sponsors and partners, they, they would get advertising for entertainment or more recognition publicly, um, because we were in the face of the public more. They still allowed us to keep their sponsorship dollars. We were fully, fully sponsored for our youth livestock show. And so that was really amazing to have that support continue and and they're still continuing to support us and people are reaching out to help us and i i think that that's like that's what our fair is is the community and so people recognize that and like i would just stay up all day and all night reading comments on facebook and like crying and thanking people and like people that reached out to me personally and that everybody could tell that we we weren't we didn't just decide that in a whim like it was clearly a lot of thought was put into it and um i think i said this already but like we just we didn't want to have a fair that that we had less people or that we would have to turn people away like if you had limited attendance or right. or just coming in and feeling like it's empty and i i just didn't think that that would be fun plus i probably would have been the first person to get in trouble for not wearing a mask so <laughs> i didn't want that on my oh my gosh <laughs> You know, Linnell Smith from Sydney talked about the same thing, um, you know, because what you're alluding to is how do you how do you have a fair without damaging your brand? Right. And she's been told this was when we recorded with her back at the end of October um, there. I don't know if things have changed, but their government had said, yes, you can do the fair in 21, but you can only have 50,000 people a day. Now, for most of us, that'd be like, woohoo, OK, hey, yeah. um, but for them, that's about depending on the year, about a 40 percent cut in attendance and she's sitting there going okay that means we've got to we got to scale some stuff back how do we then open a fair and not put at risk you know people coming into the fair going 
this isn't the Sydney Royal Easter show. This is what I'm used to. I don't like right. this. Um, I, I think a lot of it comes down to messaging with our communities that says, Hey, this is, is going to look a little different next year, but if you, if you're with us, then we will be with you long run and, and we'll get back at it in 2022. Yeah. Um, so you guys are there in Frederick. You're what about an hour from Baltimore. Yeah. Um, do you draw people from the city or is your attendance typically local? Um, a lot of it is local, but we do draw from all over, um, the state and, and extending, you know, out to our perimeter states around. Right. Well, and I, I didn't realize until I went and did the Maryland State Fair several years ago, even though some things are, you know, an hour apart in Maryland is different than an hour apart out here in New Mexico. Um, but you guys tend to be a much closer knit community where that's what I found is that cities and towns just kind of roll into one another on the East coast out here in the, in the West, it's an hour. That's like, that's literally an hour of driving, driving through barren desert before you get to the next place right. for your local community though. How big an impact do you guys have on your local economy? Huge. Um, I want to say it, it's, I know it's over a million dollars, but I don't remember the last final that we did um, yeah. economic impact, but yeah, like our, we have partners with our hotels and stuff too, because we bring, you know, we bring people in from all over the place. Um, it's, it's you, I mean, fair everywhere. Fairs are huge. I, I don't, I don't know. We're awesome. Fairs are the best. That's we, why <laughs> I hope we can have it again. In well, and we, yeah, no kidding. I agree. We, I think one of our, I don't know how we get around this, but I think one of the problems we face is that our communities, and this has been a recurring theme on the podcast our community see us as, you know, a week or 10 days that just pop up in the middle of summer and boom, there's the lights and the Ferris wheel and the fairs here. And then there's just that empty fairground sitting there year round. And they don't realize that that fairgrounds, I'm assuming you guys have whole year round events also. We do. Yeah. Which yes. this year was pretty dark. <laughs> right. So that fairgrounds, you know, they may not see a Ferris wheel lit up there, but there's a horse show, an RV show, a graduation, a prom, a you yeah. name it. There's all these kind of events that go on that contribute to supporting the revenue and, you know, in the economy and the community and, and just being, and not only that, when you consider emergency management, I don't know with you guys, you know, what role you guys play in emergency management, but I for sure know down on the, the Florida fairs, when there's a hurricane coming in, those Sarasota fairgrounds regularly is a staging area for linemen trucks and utility workers. And, you know, they tend to be uh, a headquarters. What do, do you guys support your community? I mean, have there been emergencies that you guys have had to play that support role in the community? Um, I will say we've offered um, our, like, like for instance, with COVID stuff, they, they reached out um, to the community in, in Maryland and had asked people if they had resources or land or whatever else to offer buildings um, for COVID it, testing and now vaccines. So we have had those conversations with our local community. Um, our hospital in our town actually just bought a lot of property in the last like several years. And so they don't really have the need for us at the moment, um, but we're always here. So I would say we haven't really been used to the fullest of our you know capability for that, but we are here and we do make ourselves known in the community for that purpose. Um, one thing that was really cool this year was during the, during the pandemic in the fall, Right after we canceled the fair, my um, sound and lighting company, which is local, like right over, I could throw a rock and hit their building. Um, Don't throw here, a rock. They, they, set nice. up, uh, <laughs> they set up a um, drive-in concert and movie series. And so 
they rented the grounds to do that. And um, that was a huge success in the community. Like was, you could tell the community is starving for events and things to do. I mean, they sold out all their, all their movies sold really well. And then they um, added in a concert series and like almost every concert sold out. And that was, that was incredible. They're actually coming back in the spring to do it again. Um, we were hoping we would be back to normal, but I don't think that's happening. So yeah, we definitely have a lot of community events and things that bring other people out of town in to the, to the town, but like running festivals and Camaro shows and big sales and things like that. Like none of that could happen this year, festivals, food truck things. And so that's been a, a like another sad thing was coming to the fair and like parking and there's nothing happening. Like we were closing, we always, we have a lot of gates on our perimeters and we normally have two open all the time. Mm -hmm. But because of how le like so much less activity was happening on the grounds, like I was coming into work and I was like, <laughs> like the gates are shut and it's so creepy. <laughs> There's nobody here. Like we have all the lights turned off because we are trying to save money any way right. that we could with electricity. So I'm like, just kind of eerie and creepy. I remember the first, like what would have been the first day of our regular fair. Um, I came into work and I was just like, this is terrible. I went and sat in our grandstand and cried. <laughs> just <laughs> reminiscing on what could have been so yep it's a loss and you know I, I refer back to Linnell again she referred to it as a grieving process and when she said yeah. that to me at the end of October that was like the first time that I'd really thought you know it is a grief process it, you know, yeah. so for you guys you work so hard year-round to produce these events um you know, whether it's your fair or you're making sure your facilities are ready for an RV and boat show or whatever it is and right. and you get told nope not happening and and there is a sense of loss um but you know we're into 21 now and maybe there's some hope for the future um as we're recording this here on the 19th of january several fairs down in florida are on manatee county is on in full and south florida's fair down in west palm beach is doing what they're calling a mini fair mm -hmm. and then moving i guess south florida's intent is to move full dates to sometime in may are y'all keeping an eye an eye on these kind of early fairs to see what their mitigation strategies are and see what the results are of their fair. Yeah, definitely. I've, uh, I've, I've follow all the stuff that the IAFE puts out too. And I've been following all those fairs on Facebook and, you know, wishing them the best and hoping they have, you know, normal attendance. I don't know if, I don't know that I've heard no official numbers from anyone yet. Yeah. Um, so definitely keeping the hope. I mean, we have 241 days until our fair would open. So I will <laughs> cross fingers on that fingers one, right? Crossed. But I think I'm more prepared this year if it can't happen. Like, I, I don't want it to not happen, but I think because I've been through it once, I won't be as, like, devastated and emotional like a basket case <laughs> as yeah. I was this year. Um, but I really hope that things start, you know, opening back up. And it's also so hard because I, I was talking to fairs all over the country, like different managers. And even, like, states surrounding me, like West Virginia was different than us and Virginia was different than us. And so... You know, we're, we're, the IFE is amazing because we all share our resources and ideas. But this year, that was a little bit of a struggle because, you know, a Florida, like we were on a call with, with the IFE convention, somebody from Florida was like, oh yeah, you don't have to wear masks or anything. Our fair, or like everything's just normal and open back up. And I'm like, I need to be there. Like, bring me there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but even, but even then, I mean, you still wonder 
how what's their attendance look like? You know what I mean? Yeah. Are people have people been so messed with like psychologically with the media just beating into them that yeah, I mean we are they too scared? Yeah, are they too is there too much fear? I mean, our governor at one point was literally out there. Um, she would do her weekly update and at one point said something, and I'm I'm paraphrasing here, but she made it sound like if you go outside, that virus is waiting for you. Yeah. And I'm like, Shut they harped on that like, right before the holidays. And yeah. so we had a Christmas show that comes and this was their 20 some year, I think. Um, and they, they were down 70% their gate into yeah. the event. So, I mean, I, I just fear like that's what would have happened to us. And we would have been in a worse financial position yep. and a worse state moving into 2021. So I think we did the best decision for us and hopefully we can have a fair or something more than what we had last year. But I guess we'll see. Time will tell. Time will tell. Um, you know, I think tomorrow we get a new president sworn in and I, at minimum, I think the fear level may come down. Um, you know, I don't want to get, I don't want to go political on the show. We've, you know, we've all got our, our political beliefs and that's fine, but I feel like the media just so blew this thing up and scared so many people that maybe now that their guy is and going to be president, they'll be like, well, things are getting better. You know, even if they're not, they'll at least They'll at least calm people down and kind yeah. of bring the, you know, bring the temperature down a little bit and, and chill people out. Um, I know here in New Mexico, we faced almost impossible levels of restriction. It feels like every time we met one of the, the standards the governor had set out and the health department had set out, we would meet it and they'd go, well, actually, this is the standard you have to meet. And it was just moving goalposts. Yeah. What, um, what level of restriction are you guys currently in with Maryland? Um. So our retail is 50% capacity and restaurants, I want to say restaurants are at 50% still. I don't know that I'm current on that right now. Um, we, we've actually been able to call our auctions and some of the events that happen here pop up retail shops. I kind of negotiated that with our health department before the more strict restrictions named us specifically as fairgrounds to 25 people maximum. Um, so we... We were kind of, I guess, I, I don't know if we grandfathered ourselves in or not, but we were able to do some of these retail events. So there are some things and activities happening now on the grounds. Um, it's just every time, like when the governor announces that he's about to speak, I like, I feel sick all day until he talks because I'm like, <laughs> what is happening? Like, what else is he going to like? And I get it. Like they're following the numbers and um but I also wonder like with, with your point of like restrictions and are people scared? I also wondered like if we would have been able to have it and it would have been normal, would it have really been normal anyway? Like right. when, are people so scared that they're, cause for me, like I'm not scared of it and I can't stand the mask. So I, I like, I can't, I really don't breathe well in it. And I just don't go places, you know, I go like where I have to go and I, but I'm yeah, not afraid I'm to go. Way. I just don't want to wear the mask. So for me, like, it's not fun for me, even if I could go to a concert in the grandstand, like I don't think I want to go and wear a mask for an hour and a half. So I probably am not going. Right. Um, but I think you have a lot of that too. So I think the restrictions that they're holding us to might deter the people that are scared, but also deter the people who aren't scared, but just don't want to deal with the political aspect. Yeah. And I think a lot of it just depends on the area you're in. Um, you know, Maryland and the most of the Northeast is prominently more blue than the rest of the country. Yeah. You know, we, we had Courtney Conkle on the show from Wyoming State Fair, and they were shattering records. They, their gate was up like 129%. But you wow. also, you know, you're sitting here going, God, I wish you could have had that. 
I, t- I get it. I'm with you. I feel the same way seeing all these entertainers down at these fairs in Florida. I've got some yeah. massive FOMO going on. But if you look, Wyoming's predominantly red. And, and yeah. you know, when I looked at my schedule this year of all the fairs canceling, the one fair that I looked at, I said, if any fair is going to happen, it's going to be the West Texas and Abilene because they've just, you know, that Texas spirit, they don't care. They're going to make things happen. Yeah. And I was right, you know, sure <laughs> enough. So I think a lot of it just depends on the area you're in. And of course, regardless of any of our political beliefs, we service our entire communities, whether they're ours or these or independents, or it doesn't matter. We welcome everybody. There's no person that comes up to conjure. And I'm like, hold on, before you press the button, are you Republican or Democrat? Doesn't right. matter to me. I, I want to make sure you have fun and, and have a memory at the fair. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's just, uh, it's just been a crappy spot to be in this whole year, <laughs> but we yeah. are, I think, as an industry, we're a very independent lot. Um, we like to get things done on our own. But listen, enough dark talk. As crushing as the pandemic has been, what are some of the bright spots that you have seen for our industry this year or are currently seeing moving forward? Um, I mean, I think that there is a light at the end of the tunnel, uh, certainly with the Florida fairs being able to open and kind of kick off the season. And with the vaccine coming out, that should, you know, at least calm some people that I know that are just afraid to go outside of their house, feel like if they get the vaccine, they're okay now. Um, so, I mean, that will hopefully turn things around in the right direction. I, I feel like our, our industry is strong. I, I know Marla has a saying, and I can't remember what it is, but, you know, that we will survive it. We've been through a lot of different things. Um, we're a service to our community. We are a staple in our communities, and we're important. And so I have no doubt that our, our communities will come out and support us in the future and we'll get through it. Um, it might not be pretty for a couple of years financially and in the back end, but I think we, we will become better. Um, I think it's going to make us really, honestly, it's going to make us really crack down on expenses. Um, for me, like I'm kind of looking at, you know, what can we, what can we cut out that we do anyway, that doesn't, that never seemed to be like an extra expense or something we could live without or change or, Right. bid out or do whatever. But I think it kind of, um, I guess having an, a more open mind, uh, for me, this year's kind of taught me a little bit more patience. I'm kind of an instant gratification kind of person. So yeah, I've I was about to ask to, if you've, if you've learned anything about yourself this year, I, I feel like I've become a little more patient and, and I guess, um, I don't like it, but I learned how to kind of let go and not, I don't have to be in, not in control and not, but, but planning, like I, I need to know things like, and I want to help everyone and I want to fix problems and like make it better. And I, I had to kind of like back up and say like, okay, I can't fix everything. Like there are things that are out of my control and I can't have anxiety attacks about it because it doesn't do anybody (laughs) any good. And I'm not going to solve the world's problems today. Um, and then I definitely think like it sparks creativity of things, like just trying to figure out ways to reach like public outreach and, um, I don't know. I guess that's kind of my, my personal take on it, but I also just, I just love everybody involved in the fair. So, and me, I love hugs. So like the first couple months, even like some of my close family were like kind of hesitant about hugs and like, thank God they got over that within like a month and a half. Cause I don't know that I would be as okay as I am right now. If I wasn't. Yeah. If we, hugs. if, if we all managed to connect at IEV again in San Antonio, uh, at the end of 21, it's, they just, they should just think Marla, if you're listening, just theme it the hug fest group hugs, <laughs> group hugs for every, cause that's going to be it. Like yeah. I normally am like, 
if someone I don't I'll hug anybody, but at the same time, I'm kind of like, I don't I don't want to hug someone if they're not comfortable with it. So I tend to wait until they reach out for a hug. I might have to put that on hold. Come IFE, because I'm just yeah. gonna be like, Karen, hug me. <laughs> Yeah, no, I everybody yeah. I see, I'm gonna hug because I'm people were actually texting me, like, are you okay? Because we know that like people don't hug during pandemics, and I'm like, no, <laughs> send help. <laughs> yeah, so many of us are are um extroverts. You know, earlier in the season I was talking yeah. about this um with people where so many of us are extroverts, we're outgoing, we're very social creatures, and then we all got locked in a box for 2020, and it was like at times physically uncomfortable and almost painful. And then I got to thinking the the empathetic side of me went, is this what an an introvert feels like when they're for, forced into a social situation, you know, where they're used to being, they like being in the box and being left yeah. alone. And now they're, they're out, they're at the fair, or they're at the school dance or they're at whatever. And they feel so uncomfortable. I have, I have enormous empathy for people that are introverts now, because I, in a way, I kind of understand the discomfort. And so I'm like, I'm never going <laughs> to. I'm never going to say to one of my introverted friends again, oh, just lighten up. It's just some fun. Cause like, no, it's painful for them the way this has been painful for yeah. us. Um, so I'm curious, what's something you know now that you've been in the industry a while, not necessarily COVID related, but what's something you know now that you wish you'd known when you first got in to the industry? Huh. Um, I have to think about that. I don't know. Um, I stumped you on one. You did stump me. I'm never <laughs> speechless. So, uh, <laughs> defeat. That's it. Um, this clip, this clip where she was speechless is going on Facebook. It's going viral. Karen yeah. was speechless. The first time ever. Um, what I wish I knew. I, I don't know. I feel like I, I wish I would have known more people, I guess. I, I, that's kind of a weird answer, but like, the connections that I've made through the IEFE and through young professionals and then um, through the IEFE Institute courses and the stuff that I've taken away from conventions and from the webinars and everything that the IEFE offers, I think is such a value and it's hard to, it's hard to put a price on that. Um, right. I, so I kind of wish like when you first started that the, like I instantly could have been like, Hey, you know, calling other people at other fairs. And I, it took a while for me to get to know, you know, all those people that I now can pick up the phone and call at any moment and like email in the middle of the night. And for some reason, I don't think any of us sleep. So I feel like we're always talking like at all. <laughs> I get a lot of emails night. from, I get a lot of email responses to the podcast about, Hey, can you come on the show that happen at, you know, 11 PM, 1 AM. Yeah. I'm like, does anybody sleep in this industry? I don't think so. So I, I guess that would be my answer is I wish that I knew people and I also um, like the people that I could connect with and ask the questions to have more advice. I've been really grateful for the people that I knew just from Maryland that have been my mentors and have helped me, um, you know, learn and, and that I could pick their brain and call them. But the, the value of doing it, like having people connected all over the country and getting the different perspectives, it would be like really helpful to have like a toolkit, like with just yeah. those people, like right when you first start your day, like your first day of your job. Um, and also I kind of like my goal, I did get to the Florida strawberry festival last year, right before the pandemic happened. Um, like the week before they shut things down, I, you know, went there okay. and I, I kind of also wish that I would have gone to more fairs. Um, I never missed one of my own fairs in Frederick my whole life, but I wish that I would have, um, 
I, I went to, I've been to Delaware State Fair and some of the fairs around me, but kind of wish I would have gone to more across the country up and like before I started in this position, because even when I went to Disney World one day after one of those conventions, I was down there for um, the zone meeting, I think it was. Yeah, for and zone I two. Left, yeah, and I yep. left, I stayed an extra day and I went to Disney World by myself. So I felt like a big loser, but I'm, I was texting. My called. We would have gone with you. We'd hung out. Sarah and I, I know. met there. Well, Did you know that? We met I, working there. We were cast members there. Oh, no. Well, hindsight's twenty twenty. So I, <laughs> next time I would. But I, I went and I remember like, you know, now that I'm a manager, I look at everything so differently. And so I was watching families like fight and hate each other. And I was like, ooh, like, <laughs> and I'm there by myself, like, you know, <laughs> like jumping around and like so excited and riding. I did everything. and But I was really looking at like their trash pickup and their... Mm-hmm ticketing systems and like just nerdy things like looking at the park in a totally different way and I was texting my husband like I wish that you were here with me because I think we would still be having fun even though these families all want to be me by myself (laughs) but I was like but I'm such a loser because I'm literally taking pictures of like garbage cans (laughs) so you're not not alone I can tell you having worked in custodial at Disney World there are people that take pictures of the garbage cans it's magical like it's clean all the time. And the people sometimes like, the garbage can talks to you. <laughs> I didn't get that. That would have been cool. There's there's one. I don't know if they still got it because they let go of all their entertainers, but there was a guy who had a robot. You know um Oscar, the robot, Jack and Oscar? Yeah. In our industry. So from Probots, one of his former partners created a, a robot called Push. And they call it Push because literally the flap on the trash can says push. Oh. And they built a robot, a talking robot into that thing and so the trash can will drive around and talk to people and oh that's cool. yeah super super cool deal so yeah. you never know when the trash can is going to roll up and talk to you at, at disney world that's awesome. so speaking of conventions and entertainment and whatnot you know in a normal year we all meet at you know ife or our, our zoom meetings in florida or texas or wherever our conventions are and we do everything from education to shopping at the trade shows so i'm curious as a general manager when it comes to entertainment, what tends to catch your eye at the trade show? Oh, this is exciting. So um, at our fair, we never really had walking or roaming or side entertainment. Um, mm-hmm. We were focused on mainly the agriculture. And then we had, uh, we do have a grandstand. We have six nights of grandstand concerts and entertainment, like, you know, famous artists. Um, but we never had like a side mm-hmm. stage set up or anything set up for a kid zone specifically. Um, in our 2012 celebration, they had our, um, they had Barney Fife uh, here during the fair. Um, I don't think it was advertised as much as it probably could have been or should have been, but I do have my picture with him somewhere in my yeah, office. Yeah, Scott Epperson. He passed a number yeah. of years ago. God bless him. He was fantastic. He, yeah, it was awesome that he was here. Um, so we, I think like when I started and at my first convention, I got all this paperwork and I met people like you and like T and J and just everybody. And I'm, I want all of you to come, like all of you just need to come to my fair and do a trade show. Um, but we didn't really have a budget for that at the time. And so last year we worked really hard and then of course it got canceled, but we worked really hard to get a budget started for, um, a site, like an entertainment kid zone area. And we had, um, Rob and Maureen were going to come with their, um, their race, their race car thing. Mm-hmm. I can't think of what their name is, but fame racing maybe and okay. they were coming and then t and j were coming and i was super excited about it so for me i i think 
I have like a list of every person that's ever been to the convention that I want to come. Um, and my focus, like I love the agricultural side and, you know, the agricultural related things that are educational. Um, I also think it's fun to just have fun kids shows and things like that. Um, so I, I don't know if I answered that very clearly, but like all of the things excite me and we've never had a budget or an opportunity to bring those things to our fair. And so that was one thing I was super excited to introduce to our public and our community and bring to our fair in 2020, which now will hopefully happen in 2021. Um, with the same people. So I'm, I'm excited now that I have a budget that I can actually have serious conversations. I've met so right. many amazing artists and, you know, appreciate all that you guys do and what you bring, the value you bring to our fairs. Um, I just haven't been lucky enough to bring anyone to ours yet. So I'm excited right. to start that process. Well, I think you're, when, if, when you're, I won't say if, when your fair happens and you finally get those entertainers in there, I think your board's going to be very pleased and your community is going to love it because all of a sudden they're going to be like, wow, we've been missing out. They have been holding out on us. Yeah. And then you're going to answer the question. It'll be a good question to answer. Why didn't you do this before? That'll be a fun question to answer because it's yeah. like, well, you know what? We, we've grown to the point. We're finally ready to start doing this. And, well, you know, TMJ are fantastic. Area. And, and yeah. a lot of it, like I think you're about to say, you got to find the area because a lot of fairs, you got to find the space to put these things. Yeah. We found like there was a dead space that people parked trucks and stuff that wouldn't, well, like they weren't supposed to be there. So each year I'm like, I'm going to stop them from parking there and I'm going to make this a space. And like, it just didn't do it for five years that I was here because I'm like, they, something else caught my attention and I had to, you know, turn right. my head and I didn't have a budget yet. So we had a, a couple generous sponsors last year that were going to sponsor our kids zone. And we found the way to frame it out. We had sponsors that were going to fence it off and tents and all kinds of stuff. So I'm really excited to introduce that to our next fair. Well, I think it'll be a hit, especially with, with team T and J in there, you know, we had them on the show earlier in the, uh, in December, they're fantastic people. And hopefully by the time everything settles, you guys not only can have a fair, but they'll be able to get in the country from Canada. Cause you do have that, you have that hurdle. You have to jump, uh, yes. for them, but I'm really excited because I got them to do their tinsel and jingle thing. They did one for my nephew, Clyde, who just turned two um, Sunday. And yeah. so I'm really hoping that he watches it all year. Like he keeps watching his video because then he'll get to meet them in person at the fair. We were, um, I was talking with them. I was going to contract with them to do vocals for me. Cause we were talking about, you know, Christmas time over the holidays, Conjurer just sits there. Like nobody books Conjurer cause it's not really a holiday thing. And it was like, Sarah and I were talking once of what if we made it like a fortune telling elf and re, you know, added, you know, put some stuff around the box and make it Christmassy kind of re and I I've got three of those units. So I literally could repaint one and make it look like a giant Christmas present. That would be, cool. be like an, a fortune telling elf. And I was like, yeah, but I don't, how do I do the vocals on that? And Sarah was like, why don't you call Jory and have him cut the vocals for you? <laughs> Cause he's got that, the tinsel and jingle yeah. boys going on where, you know, he does his bit. And then of course COVID hit and all hell broke loose. And it was like, well, that one day we'll get to that. That's yeah. a back burner <laughs> project, but put it on the list for next year. Speaking of trade shows, you're probably, I think I know the answer to this, but you'll understand the, the meaning behind it. On the last day of the trade show at IEFE, do you have your badge facing forward or facing backwards? I always have my badge forward. Okay. See, cause you're still the young and very excited fair manager about booking entertainment. We, we have a joke within the trade show. Do you ever, I guess you haven't noticed that. And the third, the last day of the trade show, no. a lot of fair managers have their fair, their badges backwards. 
Oh, and they look down. Maybe it's just an accident. Maybe they were just tired. No, no. Oh, they're tired. <laughs> they're tired of being hassled up and down the aisles at the trade show. So I don't feel like you guys. I've never felt hassled. Really? Mm-mm. I feel hassled sometimes, and I'm one of the exhibitors. Yeah, you, sometimes I don't... you you just get people in your aisle that literally everybody that walks up and down the aisle they've got their stack of flyers and their DVDs or whatever, and they're like, "Here, take one. Here, take one. Here, take one." And I understand the thought process behind it is you never know who who that board member might not be able to help you, or they may be the board member board member's yeah. wife that goes, "Oh, I really like this guy," but it just seems like such a tacky way to me. I find anymore at trade shows. I stand around and I visit for three days and I just talk to people. Hey, how was your fair? What do you, they, yeah. you know, catch up with them? And I go home and then Sarah's like, so did you get any bookings? And I'm all, uh, huh. <laughs> I, I might've forgotten to even talk to anybody about business. And then yeah, of course, January, you. yeah, January and February shows up and, and I get all of a sudden I get emails. Oh, we met you at the convention and uh, yeah. a great. Oh, okay. Good. People are paying attention. Yeah, honestly, if people aren't pushy, it's better for me. But I've never felt, I mean, I, there are I, there are some that are like, you know, throwing your paper in your face or something, but I don't, right. I don't know. I just like to meet people. So I just walk through and I, I never say never to anything. Like, I, I don't think that there's any, that there's any one act or anything that I've ever seen that I thought, oh, like, hell no, I'm never bringing them here. Like, I'm kind of open-minded and I was really honest with everybody. Like, listen, I really like what you do. I'm keeping your information in a file that I have for whenever right. I can ever have a budget. And then last year I finally, you know, had that budget started. Um, but I, I don't know. I always keep my badge face forward because I hate it when I can't tell people's names. So how rude of these other people to do right. that. Well, I, don't know. I guess I've been in long enough where if their badge is backwards, I'm just like, Hey, how are you? <laughs> All right. Well, check with me in five no. years and maybe see if I turn mine around. I don't, I don't think that's me. I don't think I, would I, do I don't know. I, that's what I was gonna say. I think I knew the answer because your personality, you're just very bubbly and open and, <laughs> and, and not that other people aren't, don't have real happy personalities, but you know, when they've been, I, I think a lot of times it's the bigger fairs that, cause people, we see their badges and it's like, Oh, that's the, that's the person from San Diego or from the state fair of Texas or for, Ooh, yeah. I need to get in their face. And it's like, you know, I, I did a little bit of that, like the first year or two that I was in involved with yeah. IFE and realized real quick, I'm like, that's actually kind of obnoxious. And so <laughs> somewhere in there, somewhere in there, I found myself um, going to more of the, the round table sessions and the ed sessions and yeah. You know, if I had something to say to contribute that would, you know, bring value to other people, I would say it. And that's ultimately how we ended up getting the New Mexico State Fair, getting finally tied back in with them was Sarah was out at IFE and she was sitting in on an ed session. And um, I think Stacy Wade from, um, she was at the Central Florida Fair at the time, but Lake County now in Florida. She, I think she was the one presenting the the class and she said, motion to Sarah and said, actually, you know, we, somebody asked a question about tying something in with schools or something. And Stacy said, well, you know, actually we have an, an, an educator here who works with her school district. So Sarah, do you think you can help answer that? And Sarah said something and, um, little to her knowledge, um, one of the people from the New Mexico state fair was sitting in the, in on the round table and came oh, up wow. afterwards and said, Oh, Hey, you're from Albuquerque. So are we, we do the New Mexico state fair and you know, how, what do you do and how we've never seen you around and what, 
I had a conversation with him that lasted about 10 minutes that became, uh, you know, a five minute conversation with their actual general manager that became a, you know, a really strong relationship with that fair just because, and that's when I was like, it's totally, it's the round tables and the ed sessions. And that's what we tell. I tell entertainers that are like, yeah, man, this, this trade show sucks. Nobody's here. I'm like, well, have you been in here the entire time? Yeah, that's the problem. You yeah. need to go meet people, go to Honestly, an ed session, go to a bowling tournament, go to whatever and go meet people. Yeah. It takes time. I don't mind any of the selling pitches. Um, I'll tell you one thing that really does irk, irk me or like grind my gears. <laughs> is yes. Flip. Yes. That's what I want to know. What grinds your gears? Grinds so my I don't gears. do it. Is people that call me like, and I don't think entertainers have really done this to me, but like a couple of the ticketing options have called me and they call me in August. And I'm like, did you not look at my website before you picked up the phone and called me because my fare is in 30 days and I do not have time for you right now. Like, and then they call again, like two weeks later, like a different person. And I'm like, listen, I was going to keep you in a folder for like future contacts or reaching out to you or figuring out what you can offer me. But like, now you've made me mad. So yeah, <laughs> that's my biggest pet peeve is like, or even like copy machine, you know, some local copy machine people call like, September one, we were just wondering if you're happy with the copy machine. I was like, yeah, you know what it's doing right now? It's printing 8 million copies of things for the fair that starts in two weeks. Like, please do not call me. Like, like read the room people read the room. Yeah. Yeah. And I get it. You know what? I think I could tell that I'd started to really make some positive relationships with fair managers when I would start to get texts from certain fair managers that were screen captures from other entertainers and they, the manager will send me something and go, what is his problem? And I'm like, what? And I look at the screen capture <laughs> and the guy's like spam texting going, you know, Hey, uh, did you get a chance to look at my DVD? Hello? Are you there? Have you? And it's like, Oh my God. No. Yeah. <laughs> like, I don't know how they got your number, but Oh my God. Yeah. That's funny. <laughs> don't do that. <laughs> oh man. It's just the, you know, the quirks of, of the industry. I guess you deal with some folks that yeah but i've also met like i've met such amazing people like dennis lee and he's not even really he's not really like trying to sell his stuff he's just hanging out (laughs) but like some of my favorite people that i've met like you guys have become friends of ours and t and j i met them in florida one year and i think it was florida and like i there are people that i've kept in touch with and and knowing that I, like when I first met them, and of course I didn't even have a budget at the time, like I was pretty honest, like I have nothing to offer you other than I just want to know what you do so I can keep you in mind for the future. But everybody that I've been in touch with has been super understanding and like supportive and not pushy, but I know they're there for me. And I right. also have been able to reach out to them and kind of pick their brains about different, different things about the fair. So I don't know. I don't, I didn't have that experience, but <laughs> Well, that's good. I think, you know, I remember talking to you one year and in fact, it was probably the year you were, you met T and J down in Florida because think, they were in yeah. the booth next to us Yeah, and, I think um, so. started chatting with you and you basically just laid out said, you know, we really don't do a budget for grounds entertainment. And you kind of gave me the story and you, but it, it was one of those where if we get to it at some point, I'll let you know. And cool. now you've gotten to it and we're dealing with COVID and I know at some point in the next three, four, five years somewhere, you're going to, I'll get a call or an email that says, Hey, what do you think about next year? And I'm going to say, Hey, if I'm in the area, yes. Right. <laughs> and we'll do it, you know, or maybe we put together a route with one of the other fairs in the area and, yeah. you know, 
I just don't, I don't see the need to hassle anybody anymore. People, they know what we do and know what conjure is and, and they're starting to know what play with giants is and yeah. they'll call when they're ready. I don't, I'm not, I'm just not of the mind that it's helpful to jam flyers into people's hands and text them every 10 minutes and, you know. Yeah, it will block your number. Yeah, you're not. I'll flip my badge around. You flip your badge around. I'll tell you what, I'm going to flip my badge around. (laughs) Goodness. Well, listen, we are, uh, we're about out of time. Karen, I've really enjoyed having you on the show. But before we go, everyone on my show goes through a little speed round of questions. So I'm going to ask you some quick questions here and you give me your best answer. Okay. Are you nervous? I'm a little nervous. No. You should be because these are real. These are harder than any other questions I ask. Okay. You ready? Question one. Funnel cake or fried Oreos? Funnel cake. Does pineapple belong on pizza? Yes. If money was no issue, what's the first place you travel when the pandemic ends? Oh. Um, Hawaii. That works. What's worse, laundry or dishes? Laundry. Agreed. You got to fold it. (laughs) Yeah, because you can't, it's not just done, you know. First celebrity crush. Oh, Ashton Kutcher. Really? Yeah. Okay. Last question. If you could have a guest role on any television show, past or present, which show would it be? NCIS. Lebro Jethro Gibbs is my hero. Wow. That was a definitive no hedge answer. (laughs) He had it down pat. Yeah. That's fabulous. Karen, if folks want to reach out and get in contact with you, where can they do that? TheGreatFrederickFair.com. The Great. The Great. Now, is that a, a part of the name? Yes. Your official name is The Great Frederick Fair. Yes, it is. It's in uh, our logo. It's in your logo. Yeah. The- Actually, I just got, I love the fair so much, and I was so sad that it got canceled. I got our logo tattooed on myself. You got but your not logo. The, it doesn't say the fair. It's just the three wheat logo. Okay. I was going to say, because once you, you know the deal, once you put somebody's name or something's name, it's over. Like you would have put your fair's name as a tattoo. Just the three. Just the three weeks. Yeah. If you put the great Frederick fair, you would have lost your job because that's how it is. Like it's no, that's literally, if you tattoo someone's name on your body, you're going to break up, get divorced, you'll lose your job. (laughs) My husband and I don't have our name. So we do have our wedding date. Well, that's fair. That's just a date. Yeah. There's the, I don't know. There's something that's what I've, I, I have no tats. I'm starting to think about getting one and uh, everybody's told me, don't get your wife's name. And I'm like, why? I love Sarah. And she's like, don't do it. Why? Because I have, up, I have we'll end up divorced. I didn't, I didn't think about it for the job, but yeah, I, I think was, it's I, kind of a joke. I don't, I mean, I don't think that happens in most cases, but yeah. it, who knows? After the fair was canceled, I, I was sitting there. I'm like, I know what I want for Christmas. <laughs> So, I got and, so where is it? Is it on my shoulder? It's on your the on your shoulder blade. That seems to be a popular place to get tattoos. I guess blade. I guess I don't know. <laughs> I've thought there's there's a couple I'm I'm thinking of. Uh, who knows? Maybe, maybe by the time we get rolling again, I will have a tattoo or ten because I understand they're addictive. Or once ten. <laughs> once you get one, you get more. I understand. That's what I've been told. Is that your only tat? I have five. See? they're addictive aren't they, they are they are addicting and i never thought i would say that but yeah they are 
Well, listen, Karen, I really enjoyed chatting with you today. Karen Nicholas, general manager of the great Frederick Fair in Frederick, Maryland. Thanks for being on the show. Thanks for having me. You've been listening to the Fair Game Podcast. Fair Game is a production of Robert Smith Presents. For more information, please visit robertsmithpresents.com.